and welcome to Return to Regalia, an Underland Chronicles reread podcast. I'm Una. And I'm Nate. Today, we'll be covering the end of the Prophecy of Bane, in which Nerissa saves the day and the Overlanders head home. Are you excited? I am very excited. What did you think about these chapters? What did I think? I mean, a lot of things. I think the biggest thing was remembering as I read it that it's a cliffhanger whether or not Luxa lives. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, good, Boots is back, and now Luxa will come with her, and it'll be all okay, but no, we don't find out yet. Yeah, I always forget that too, that she's lost at the end still. Right, about to have her, like, badass, more, more badass, she's already pretty badass, but about to have her, like, badass upgrade. Oh my god, her, her took a level in badass a la TV tropes. What's that? Oh, that's a, I remember the specific name. It's like a it's like the trope of like when a character who's cool like if something happens to them or they do something and they're now more cool. Like if, if there's a guy and his name is like One Sword Mike, he'll get two swords and he's Two Sword Mike. I didn't sleep enough last night. I just want to put that out there real quick. It has been a long week. Yeah. We're recording on a Friday. Yep. And it's been a long ass week. Yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna have a great episode. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna soldier on. It's gonna be really good. You ready to get into it? Yeah. Okay, where we left off, Narissa just sunk to the floor in relief because Gregor told her he didn't kill the baby Bane. Chapter 26 starts with the narration saying, She sat on the floor rocking back and forth, laughing, the very picture of madness. Man, somebody needs to help this girl, thought Gregor. <laughs> I really, the whole time I'm reading this, I'm wondering, like, what is, like, I, I don't think we can diagnose her with, like, a real thing, and I'm not interested in that, but, like, yeah. what is wrong with Nerissa that she's so different from the other Underlanders? Like, my first thought was, like, a girl's got a vitamin D deficiency. That's rough. But, like... But they all do. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know, like, why is she... Like, in what way exactly? How does she behave that's strange? Because she does. Like, people view her as strange. But it's like, I need to, like, lay out, like, what does she do? Why do people think it's weird? Yeah. Yeah, John and I were trying to talk about this last episode, too. Mm -hmm. Like... We were trying to puzzle out what the Regalians think about Nerissa because they all follow Sandwich's prophecies. And Nerissa supposedly has the same kind of visions as Sandwich, but no one likes Nerissa. Yeah. Or believes her. So, like, why is she different? Maybe it's like like how back in the day a guy was like, I'm Jesus. And everybody's like, that's cool. We're going to make the Bible from that. And nowadays, if you're like, I'm Jesus too. People are like, get the fuck out of here. Like you don't have that distance of time and like tradition. Yeah. To... Yeah. And you weren't the first one. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stop stealing his valor, Nerissa. Get your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like you'd think that she would have some sort of following or like people would revere her more for her power. But like they all think that she's crazy right. and weird. And Gre it's interesting because like Gregor and the Underlanders have really different like values and views, but they both are united in thinking that Nerissa is weird. Yeah, yeah. And Gregor <laughs> thinks about it a lot. Like he has a lot of comments in these chapters about how weird Nerissa is. If I had read this when I was like in fifth grade, Nerissa definitely would have want would have been the person I wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> you aspired to be just like a yeah, like you know, the, like the weird girl. Like that would have I would have made my Underland OC would have been like really similar to Nerissa, but with like more colorful hair. I can I can envision it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know yourself so well that you can like put yourself in the shoes of like 10-year-old Nate and think like, oh yeah, like he would have done this. Yeah. I'm very similar. I mean, I have Underland OCs that I made in like middle school. Oh my god. I don't think that I made them like Narissa though. I can't remember exactly. Maybe I'll look through my old sketchbooks and try and find what I drew of them. Please do. But yeah, Nerissa's the best. Vicus asks if Nerissa is feeling alright, and she insists that she's all good, and in fact, everyone is great, because Gregor fulfilled the prophecy. She tells Vicus, The baby lives, so lives the warrior's heart. The Nars do not have their key to power. Vicus is shocked by this revelation, and when questioned by Gregor, he explains that the baby in the prophecy wasn't boots like they all thought. It was the Bane. Gregor couldn't kill the Bane because he knows killing a baby is evil and doing so would have broken his heart forever. 
Vicus marvels at how badly they always misinterpret Sandwich's prophecies until the true meaning dawns on them. Which is which is so funny. Yeah. He's like, man, we always do mess this up, but we're just gonna keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they need to just have like a lateral thinking team in, in the <laughs> in the palace who's just like, okay, <laughs> let's just You need to stretch your brain. Here, have some riddles. Yeah. <laughs> Exercise your your brain stuff. Yeah. I just think it's funny that, like, I mean, this goes into the whole theme of, like, are the prophecies real or are we just interpreting them to fit what actually happened? But it's funny that Vicus is like, we always misinterpret them. And it's like, no, it just didn't happen, like, how you wanted it to. Right. Yeah, and it's just like, it's just a coincidence that you're able to kind of twist the meaning. I mean, in basically every book, there's kind of like a plot twist with the prophecy. I guess not so much in the first book, but like Gregor thinks that he's the one who has to die and then he ends up living and Henry is the one who died. And then in this book, it's that it's the Bane and Boots's switch. And then in the next book, there's like the plot twist of like, actually, the cure is in regalia. And at the end of each book, they kind of have this revelation and they're like, oh, it was like this all along or whatever. And I guess I don't have like fully thought out thoughts about that yet. I have. I mean, it just like makes sense from a like a storytelling perspective. Like it's so satisfying when you read a mystery and it's like, oh, now it all makes sense. Like you go back and like all the clues add up. And it's, like, interesting that they're doing that in their real life. Like, it's so yeah. cool for the book. And I was like, wait, you guys, you're not supposed to do that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> also, I can't, I, I, tell me if we're going to go into this, but it's interesting to me that as soon as they, like, come to this conclusion, Vicus is like, yeah, if Gregor had killed the Bane, it would have started a huge, massive war. Yeah, I was thinking about this, too. Like, he's immediately just like, oh, yeah, it would have been bad if Gregor killed the Bane because it would have broken his spirit and also started a huge war. And it's like, so that wasn't true before? Like, right. What the fuck? <laughs> so like, now that I think about it, probably sneaking into the rat's home and like murdering one of them would probably be a bad PR move. Yeah, truly. <laughs> you know, now that I really sit down on the floor with my with my ambiguously ill grandniece, grandchild. I think that Nerissa is actually not even on Vicus's side of the family. Oh shit. They're not oh, even related. She's also of that. <laughs> Or I think Solovet and Vicus are on Luke's mom's side, and then Nerissa and Henry were on Luke's dad's side. So, okay. Like, Nerissa is not at all related to Solovet or Vicus. Okay. I was, this is actually vaguely related. I was wondering, because we see in this, like, the throne is hereditary. Yeah. I'm wondering if, like, if they're supposed to be descended from Sandwich. Because I feel like that would be... Yeah, I feel like people have speculated about this. Mm -hmm. And I guess I always assumed that it was something like that. But it's also interesting because Vicus is never like, yes, Sandwich was my great, great, great grandfather. Like Right. And also... Just the fact that, like, the Underland is so dangerous. Surely there have been, like, total family wipeouts. That's true. And they just have to, like, pick a new family. Which is what would happen if, like, Nerissa abdicated. They would have to pick a new family and it would probably be Vicus. Uh -huh. But yeah, like, what you were saying about it wasn't true before that it would have been bad if Gregor killed the Bane. And I guess it kind of is, like, with the revelation that the Bane is a baby. Right. Then, but, like, the rats still would have been mad, even if the Bane was an adult. They would just are like more outraged if it's a baby that Gregor killed. Right, because it's still like a, a super important person, a super important rat for the rats. Right. It's not like they would be, they would still hate the humans like the same amount. Right. They can't hate the humans anymore. They would be like, you know, I guess this could have been worse. Like if it was a baby. That right. Been that, wouldn't mean, that wouldn't mean anything to them. Right. Yeah. So I think Vicus is just like very sandwich pilled. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a sandwich pilled prophecy cell. <laughs> let's just, let's just end the book. <laughs> let's just end it there. Oh my God. We'll pick it back up in 2024. <laughs> oh, that was just, yeah. Vicus quotes the stanza of the prophecy of Bane that talks about a barely speaking pup who holds the land of under up. Nerissa points out that the prophecy even uses the word pup, which is the word for a baby rat. 
Vicus thinks if Gregor had killed the Bane, like this is what we were just talking about, right. the whole Underland would have erupted into total war. And he suddenly is like, Gregor taking the baby to Ripper was a stroke of genius. And it's like, it was before. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I guess this is like the first moment that Gregor has been able to convey to them that it's a baby. Uh-huh. So everyone is like thinking that he took an adult rat to Vike or to Rip Red. Oh, okay. So it makes slightly more sense, but it's still like, oh, so now you're all on Gregor's side. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> You were totally ready to throw him under the bus before without even knowing the full story. And now that you have the full story, you're like, wait, I mean this other thing. (laughs) Take it back. (laughs) The head judge asks if they're going to continue the trial. And Nerissa says, of course not, because the warrior has saved the Underland. She stands up and smiles at the defendants. And she addresses Ares in particular when she says, and all who helped him are held in our highest regard. Which is so nice. Yeah. I think that Nerissa probably has wanted to talk to Ares about what happened, and Ares has been avoiding her for good reason. But like, Nerissa, she's really like okay with the fact that Henry died. Right. And I think that she would like to talk to Ares about it and like let him know that she doesn't blame him. So I think that this is kind of just like a little hint of that. This is like her way of telling Ares it's all good. It's all good, man. And like telling the rest of her galley, like, hint, hint, I'm the queen. Relax. Get with get with the program. These people are heroes. But yeah, later we're going to see that really doesn't, like, it really doesn't help because Nerissa is not that well liked and they don't trust her to be queen. So like her word doesn't actually carry as much weight as it should. Right. Like she can legally get the trial to stop, but... Like, they, they talk about later, like, everybody's still going to be suspicious and angry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people might try to, like, overturn her verdict and stuff. Nerissa invites the group to dine with her, and they all go to a private dining room where they're served the huge feast that was meant to be for Nerissa's coronation. Just in case you were worried, it does specify that Rip Red's favorite shrimp and cream sauce is there. <laughs> oh, thank God. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> I also like that Nerissa says, like, don't worry, I don't usually eat this well. Like, she knows. She's like, oh, this is a bad look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's got some kind of, like, self-deprecating humor. Or not quite self-deprecating, but she's kind of like, oh, I'm the queen now, but I'm not usually like this. Uh-huh. Kind of thing. Right. She's she's probably lived her whole life, like, thinking she would never be the queen. Yeah. And now she's like, oh, wow, okay. And also, is this I, is this the book where at the beginning, Solova and Rip Red are talking, and Rip Red's like, the Nars are starving, and Solova's like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that does happen. Seems like so long ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone digs into the food except Nerissa, who apologizes for not being more social and explains she's preoccupied with her grief for Luxa. Gregor is glad that they're all acknowledging how miserable everyone is so they can continue eating in silence. After dinner, Nerissa sends everyone to the hospital, (laughs) which arguably they should have done first. Right? I was like, when I read that, I'm like, hang on. I'm like, I guess I would have also done that too. (laughs) Yeah. Like if I was, I was like, I want to eat before I go to the hospital. That's true. Hospital food ain't good. Right. Coronation feast is much better. Yeah. But like, they're all fresh off their adventure like none of them have had a bath yet they're probably just like total wrecks right it's like i would have at least wanted to take a bath first i think on the way to the hospital howard explains to gregor that he and andromeda arrived about 12 hours before gregor and aries did and while Merith got to go to the hospital they immediately locked up howard and andromeda and i was wondering like were they really going to charge howard and andromeda with treason for not sticking with gregor to the end even without knowing about gregor's treason yeah like before gregor and ares had even returned they were like well howard and andromeda like you didn't stick with it to the end you turned back so that's treason like that seems so intense right and especially because they like were they gonna heal merith and then be like okay you're also charged with treason right or like i guess he could have been exempt because he was unconscious They're yeah like, all right but yeah that is i assume that they somehow knew about the bane but they didn't right no like, they hadn't heard anything they're so like the regalian council i know it's like kind of the point but they're so ridiculous sometimes yeah I'm like this is counterproductive you guys yeah yeah that definitely is, like, the point of 
them as like a narrative device but yeah it's very frustrating right they're very harsh and they're very unforgiving they're very much like sentence people to treason and ask questions later <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah they're not gonna wait to hear the whole story before making judgments right like they don't like literally all that howard and andromeda can say is like yeah we don't know what happened right and they're just like well Maybe Gregor will come back and be like, yeah, I killed the Bane. Everything's great. I'm so glad that my friends Andromeda and Howard made it home. And I was just like, awkward moment. We killed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so, that's such a good question of like, what would they have done if Gregor hadn't come back or hadn't co come back for like a while? Like he'd taken too long to come back and they already had like gone to trial. Like what right. would have happened? Right. Yeah, yeah, I have a quite like, what if he had killed the Bane? I think I wrote this down somewhere else later, mm -hmm. but like, were they just going to let Howard and Andromeda go free if Gregor had killed the Bane? Because then they would be like, oh, well, everything worked out in the end, so we don't need to charge anyone with treason. Right, and like, would it have made a difference if Gregor said, like, I assume they said, Gregor told us to come back. Yeah. And that wasn't enough. So if Gregor had said, no, I told them to come back, would they have been like, oh, we have to listen to the warrior? Or would they have said, well, they shouldn't have listened Listen to you and yeah it's so complicated and they're probably they would probably just be very hypocritical about it uh-huh yeah the regalian justice system does not make a lot of sense yeah much like some other justice systems we know <laughs> in the hospital gregor gets to take a bath for the first time in over a week he takes stock of his injuries including the squid sucker marks on his arm his aching ribs from the rope that was tied around his waist when he dove into the whirlpool to rescue Twitchtip, a bump on his head from Ripred slamming him into the ground, various bruises from the stoning, and rope burns on his wrists from being bound. Damn, that's rough. Yeah. I love that all of this is like mostly like terrible things that happened, and also Ripred was just like, fuck this kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> Ripper just had to add his own injury to to everything that had happened. Right. He's like, well, it's his head. He's not doing anything useful with it. <laughs> you have such a good Rip Red voice <laughs> living inside you. <laughs> Thank you. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> After he bathes and the doctors treat his wounds, Gregor meets back up with the others. Howard suggests they get some sleep, and Gregor asks if that's safe, since even though Nerissa decided they aren't guilty, that doesn't mean the rest of Regalia agrees. Howard leads them to a set of chambers reserved for his family, reasoning that they'll be safe with each other nearby. Gregor's just relieved he doesn't have to go back to the room he shared with Boots, which is so sad. There are multiple rooms, but they all decide to stay in one together. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, post-quest slumber party. Yes, post-traumatic stress pile. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They're just like celebrating the fact that they were found innocent. <laughs> yeah. And I like that Howard is like, yeah, my family's probably heading here because they know I'm on trial for treason. Like, right. That's rough. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you think his family is going to still be mad at him for turning back? Ooh. I, I get the feeling that Howard's family is probably nicer. Oh, right. Because they're from the Fount. And yeah. They're, more... they're not as... They're not as intense as the Regalians. Right. We also meet his parents later at different points oh, in the nice. story, and they're, they seem pretty nice. Nice. York and Susanna are his parents. Nice. Yeah. He's living under New York, and his name is York. Does he know? Is he like, this is so cool, I'm York, and that's New York, or does he not even know that New York exists? Oh, yeah. Was he named after New York or was he named after the original city of York? Yeah, I feel like he must have been named after the first the York. The first York. Although I guess you probably wouldn't name somebody New York. This Did you ever read City of Ember? No, I feel like you've, to you've told me about okay, this. Okay, in one of the books, they like meet some characters who have given themselves names based on cities from like the old world before the apocalypse uh-huh but like they get the city's names messed up so like one woman is named minnie apple but like it's supposed to be minneapolis uh -huh. i love that and 
one guy is named like Washington instead of Washington. Uh-huh. And then I think someone's named York. Nice. I've heard of a theory of that for the Hunger Games. Like PETA is a like the linguistic drift of Peter. Katniss is like Catherine or something. Like the names all like they don't sound as abnormal to us as other fantasy names because she just like moved them over a little along the line of yeah i i think i don't know if i've read that too but like uh-huh. i i agree yeah. yeah that's the way you have to do fantasy names i feel like mm-hmm. if they're too out there it's like what even right but like block tomb does this too like corona beth isn't a real name but like everyone knows corona and also like beth right so it makes sense that it's together even though it's like a made-up fantasy name right where the fuck were we? <laughs> it's been such a long week, yeah. man. This is going to be a long episode. We got to get moving. I'm just going to drink some more water. Yeah, this is a marathon. Okay, they're having their post-traumatic sleepover. Yes. After everyone falls asleep, Gregor lies awake in bed, fretting about going home without boots. It occurs to him that her clothes are still in the museum, so he grabs a torch and heads out to retrieve them. He passes guards on the way, but no one says anything to him because they're not sure how to treat him now. And I was wondering, like, why would Gregor go out into the palace on his own? Like, someone could totally assassinate him if they wanted to. That's so true. He's, like, still recovering from his injuries. He's he's sleep-deprived. He's just not even telling anyone where he's going. I feel like he's just running on so much. Like, he's he can only hold one thought in his mind at a time when you're that level of tired. He's just like, I need to go get Boots' clothes. Yeah, yeah. And that then, level of tired and traumatized. Yeah. He finds the museum and presses his face into Boots' shirt. His eyes well up, but Vicus enters before he can get a good cry mm-hmm. in. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this scene. Yes. Vicus warns him that the verdict regarding the prophecy of Bane could change, so he should get back home while he can. Gregor agrees and asks about the other's safety. Vicus thinks Howard and Andromeda are probably fine, but Ares is in more danger. He promises to warn Ares if things change, though, so he can try to escape. Vicus asks if Gregor wants anything from the museum to take home for his parents. He then asks about Gregor's dad, and Gregor tries to describe how sick he is. Vicus wants to ask him more, but Gregor can't handle it, so he deflects by asking if he can take a cuckoo clock from the museum. Answer me this. (laughs) Why is there a cuckoo clock in the fucking museum? I have never considered that. How would it have ended up down there? Who's just like, oh, I'm walking through New York with my cuckoo clock. Oops, I fell down a giant hole. Yeah. Oops, I dropped my my cuckoo (laughs) clock down a manhole. (laughs) Like, why is it there? That's so true. Is it like... Did Rip Red steal it from the library for fun and just leave it somewhere? <laughs> Why would a library have a cuckoo? Clock? Yeah. Wow, plot hole. We are. I'm writing Suzanne Collins. <laughs> Vicus says he'll have the clock wrapped for Gregor. Gregor leaves with his and Boots's clothes, and the narration says Vicus could learn a thing or two from Nerissa. Sometimes people just didn't want to talk. Right. I was thinking about this scene like. Vicus is, they're both experiencing grief and loss in this moment. And at first I'm like, Vicus wants to like connect with Gregor. He's like, we're both so sad. Yeah. But then I'm thinking more like Vicus is super guilty. Like he feels guilty. Like just from the way that he asked the question about Gregor's dad and then trails off. And I think it's like partly because like, he's like, wow, this kid's life is fucked up because of the underland. But also he realizes Gregor doesn't seem to like grok this yet. But if the prophecy was wrong about who the baby that died or would not die, then it means that Boots, like her death, she didn't have to die. And to Vicus, I feel like that would make her death feel much more unnecessary. Like it's still, it's either way, it's bad if she died. But now he knows that he assumes that she's dead. And like, it wasn't part of the prophecy. It was just a bad thing that happened. You were so right. And I think he just feels so terrible. I never considered that. Yeah, I think Gregor probably hasn't thought of that yet right because he he doesn't like the prophecies are way less important to him but vicus is like vicus lives and breathes those prophecies you're right yeah because because if the bane is the baby then boots's death is just like a bad thing that happened on the way right it didn't it wasn't like foretold it wasn't predestined the way that the bane being spared was right and it's also interesting that like 
Also when Gregor hears this, and apparently also when Vicus hears this, neither of them are like, oh, then maybe Boots is still alive. Right. Like they, like Gregor just doesn't even appear to be like, he can't even like consider anything other than what he thinks has happened. And Vicus is just like, war is hell. Like that sucks. Yeah, yeah. They're probably just so used to living in the Underland by now that it's like, oh, well, Boots died. It happens. Right. (laughs) But yeah, you're right also about how Vicus is like also experiencing grief and he's trying to connect to Gregor. And like, it's it's like the classic, like some people try and like reach out and they want to talk about stuff and they want to like go through it together. And then some people are just like, they isolate themselves. And Gregor is such isolator right and it's so interesting because i remember in the last book there's that one part where like they're leaving on the quest and luxa doesn't want to say goodbye to vicus and gregor like feels bad and he knows that how sad vicus is so he like may like reaches out on purpose because he knows how vicus feels and now he just like he can't even yeah he's so fucking emotionally destroyed right now that he is not able to recognize yeah he's because back then he was like vicus needs to hear this from someone and now he doesn't have the capacity to perform that emotional right, labor for right. <laughs> Stop making Gregor perform emotional labor for <laughs> Oh man. Change.org petition. <laughs> Gregor starts crying on the way back to Howard's room and gets lost. The narration says, maybe it was better to break down here than in front of his parents. What? Gregor! Oh my god, this is... Okay, spoilers for the movie Hereditary. Okay. But I was just thinking, I remember when I watched that movie, there's this scene, you've, yeah, you, you yes. saw it because you were way too high. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Oh my God. That's a whole story we can't get into. Uh, uh, <laughs> but yes, I, I saw it when I was very um, uh, not ready to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I saw it and I remember the scene where like the brother's driving home and the sister leans her head out the window and there's a big crashing noise and he like, he knows something bad has happened. And he just goes in his room and he just lays down and his mom comes out and she starts screaming. I remember the whole time, like, I was so fucking mad at him during that scene. I'm like, why would you not go tell your mom what happens so that she doesn't have to see this? And Gregor is thinking the same way. He's like, I need to be strong for my parents because I'm going to have to tell them that their daughter is dead while not really recognizing that, like, I'm also grieving. Yeah. I was also thinking about Hereditary while reading this. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it fucking scarred me and it's really, really terrifying. I mean, first of all, it's fucking graphic and it's terrifying, but also just the idea that like you could be the cause of an accidental death and, it, and it's just like, you can't take that back and your whole family is scarred forever. Right. Like it's, it's really, really terrible. Right. And Gregor is going through that for real, or he, he thinks he is. Right. Right. And his instinct is just to be like, well, I need to be strong for my parents. I need to be the one that like tells them what happened. I need to be level headed. I need to not break down because they're going to be so sad already. Like, I can't let them see that I'm sad. And it's like, Gregor, you are also part of this family that is going to be grieving. Right. And like his parents, I'm sure would be on some level more glad that he's crying rather than they're like, oh, Gregor is completely emotionally numb. Oh, definitely. Like Gregor is like thinking that it's his job to be strong for his family because that's what he's always doing. He's always like performing. I mean, again, with the emotional labor, right? like he's, he's repressing his feelings and he's dealing with a lot of shit. And now he's, he's just like, I'm going to take this upon myself as my duty to my family to like not be emotional. Right. Even though it like really won't help and nobody really wants him to. And in fact, it would make things worse. Yeah. But he just feels like it's what he needs to do. Yeah. To make up for what he's done and what has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so much. I'm glad that we don't have to deal with this Gregor for much longer. Yes, <laughs> so true. He's so, he feels so much guilt. I can't imagine what would have happened if Boots really had oh, died. God. Like, what would that family fucking be? Right, like, it's technically not Gregor's fault. Like, she got kidnapped, 
but like yeah. your kid goes down and to this place with your other kid and you don't know what happens and only one kid comes back like even if you try your hardest i feel like you would still resent gregor somewhat or like maybe his mom is mad at his dad because like his dad knows what the underland is like and he didn't go help and why did he go down there in the first place oh yeah there are gonna be a ton of emotion like conflicting emotions right oh yeah i can't i can't even imagine Luckily, we don't have to live with that. <laughs> Number one reason that it's good boots lift. <laughs> Gregor leans against a wall and sobs, and while he's remembering all these different things about boots, he starts to hear the song that Howard taught her about washing her toes, but then the song is interrupted by a sneeze, and he realizes the noise isn't just in his head. He breaks into a run and doesn't stop when the guards yell at him. He- Hi, Lola. She's also- I made too much eye contact with her. <laughs> She's excited about yes. boots as well. Yes. <laughs> he breaks into a run and doesn't stop when the guards yell at him. He bursts into a room and sees boots surrounded by six cockroaches singing the song and pretending to wash her toes. The chapter ends with Gregor sweeping Boots up in a hug and her saying, Hi, you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, it's such a relief. Literally. Oh, my God. We were, John and I were talking last episode. Do you, when you first read this, did you actually think that Boots was dead? I'm trying to remember. I honestly, I don't know. I feel like I was like, I was just like, but she couldn't do that, right? Are they allowed to do that? Are they allowed to kill a child in this book? Because <laughs> I have I read these books so long ago that I can't remember the first time I read them, so I don't like remember what my reaction was. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe I was just reading so fast that it didn't register to me. Right. Like I didn't have time to predict what would happen because I just wanted to know what happened. That happens to me even <laughs> when I read things nowadays. It's <laughs> funny. It's, it's so good that she's back, and I love the, like, Gregor thinks that he's hearing things, and he's like, I've really gone crazy now, like, I'm fucking losing it. And then the sneeze is like, oh my god. <laughs> he's like, I'm not hallucinating that. I, yeah, I love that, too. Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah, I love that she's singing when he finds her, and he just, like, runs and hugs her. It's so beautiful. And she's not even, like stressed at all like right. boots is just being boots <laughs> hanging out with her cockroach friends and singing boots can always be counted on to to not be stressed about anything <laughs> yeah all right chapter 27 last chapter yeah gregor asks boots where she's been and she says i go swim i go ride flutterfly Gregor turns to ask Temp what she means, then realizes he's not there. One cockroach named Pend says they don't know where Temp is. Just a side note, Pend is another time-themed name. Oh my, yeah! Like, Pending. I wonder, is this like a cockroach, like, do they name- are you gonna have a cockroach name episode, first of all? Should I save- should I save my thought? <laughs> I do want to talk about the cockroach names in- in some bonus episode at some point, <laughs> but we can- you can okay. say your thoughts now. I guess I'm just wondering if, like, the thing of cockroaches having a time name- time names is, like, something Suzanne Collins did, because she's just like, that's a fun theme, and it's, like, lots of one-syllable things, which makes sense. Or do the cockroaches have some kind of obsession with time that they- that is, like, really important to them, and they name themselves after it? I also wonder, because, like, again, these aren't their real, like, cockroach names. Oh, right, Because right. they have their own, like, click language, so their real names would just be clicks. And, like, their name in human speech is a different name, or I guess a human version of their name. Right, like, do we think it's an actual, like, a direct translation, or is it, like, completely different? Like, is it, like, a con- are their names something that couldn't really be translated accurately? Or are they, like, did somebody say, like, yeah, my name is Six Squirmy Legs, and all the humans were like, that's gross. And so they're like, oh, okay, we gotta, we can't do that around here. Yeah, yeah. I was also thinking about the crawlers' names and, like, why they're all time-themed. I kind of think it might be a pun, like, because time crawls by. Oh like, my god. 
like time crawl and their crawlers. That makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> you think Suzanne Collins just writing this at 3 a.m. Like, oh, this is going to be fucking hilarious. <laughs> but that also would have worked for flyers because time flies. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if it was like, like, we don't know how long the bugs live, but I feel like bugs usually live shorter than humans. So maybe they're mm -hmm. just like, our lives are brief and we... That's important to us now that there's other animals here with much longer lives. Yeah. Because rats, I guess we also, like, we don't really know canonically, like, like, it seems like Rip Red and Solvet have known each other for, like, years, and rats only live in real life, like, two or three years. I feel like just the lifespans are different in the Underland, Yeah, maybe. I assume so. Yeah. But the whole longevity is a theme for the crawlers. Ooh, is it? I don't even remember. In the first book, Vicus has this whole speech about how about how the crawlers have been around forever and uh -huh. even though they aren't good fighters they survived all this time for a reason gregor adds in like oh yeah crawlers are older than humans and evolutionarily and whatnot that's so true so it's like the opposite it's not that they have shorter lives than everybody it's that they have a much longer history yeah that's really interesting so maybe it's like a flex <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I'm not sure if that's, like, in-world, though. Like, I'm not sure uh -huh. that the crawlers actually care about that. Okay. Or if they have enough cognition to be thinking about, like, the philosophy of how long they've been around. Uh-huh. But also, I might be un underestimating them. Right. It's really wild that everyone in the book except the Regalians is canonically speaking in a second language. And that, like, they don't seem to be, like, hampered by it, but we don't really know the full like how they arrange their thoughts and speech in their societies because we can't yeah know that yeah and i mean the crawlers already have their own kind of syntax that's redundant right that might be hinting at the way that they normally speak in their language right like oh my god arrival when we watched arrival yeah and it's just like they the whole thing of like their brains are completely different because of how they process like language and sentences and how they arrange things like we don't even know if like like aren't there animals we talked about this like they just release a smell and the other animal smells it and they're like yeah we're grooving yeah like we don't even know how the crawlers are really understanding each other yeah exactly it's probably much more than just speech right the same way that we use body language right as cues like the crawlers have their own body language that the humans probably aren't aware of right that's so true yeah they never like gregor is never like or maybe he is i don't know he's never like temp twitched his antennas nervously because that wouldn't like register to him i think maybe sometimes he uh -huh. describes like temp's antenna were drooping or sadly oh or wait whatever. yeah okay you're right yeah but, but like yeah i i like where your head's at with that thanks do you see why i need to talk about linguistics in a series i do understand i do understand Gregor realizes Luxa and Aurora aren't here either. Vicus enters and is excited until Gregor tells him only Boots made it back. He thanks the crawlers for bringing the princess. First of all, I love that Vicus recognizes Pend and like calls them by name. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, Vicus immediately is like, thank you, Pend. Yeah. Because isn't it like a big deal at first that Boots is able to tell the crawlers apart? Yeah, and I think Merith is like telling Gregor that most people can't, but Vicus is better than most. Nice. But even Boots is like better than Vicus. Nice. And I'm sure he's like worked on it because it's like diplomacy to be able to like. Yeah. And meanwhile, she's just like naturally good at telling bugs apart. I also love that Vicus refers to Boots as the princess. Yes. Even though to the humans, she's not a princess. Like he's just using the crawler's word for her. And when literally the person who is the princess to him, which is Luxa, has not returned. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's a good thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that he's making the choice to call Boots the princess in the presence of the crawlers. Because it's almost like he's respecting their belief in her. Right. Like, they clearly think Boots is special, so he also is playing along to that. That's so true. And I feel like, especially in the first book, it's, like, kind of played for laughs. Like, oh, they think... And, and we're also like, it's like, it's like, oh, they think Boots is stinky. They love Boots because she so, smells so bad. Mm -hmm. But it's like, she is like a legit important figure to them. Like, yeah, like a like she 
she can tell them <laughs> apart. She's like, she gets the other underlanders to like care about them more. Yeah. Like, yeah, Boots is a very important figure because the crawlers care about her so much. That, yeah. She has a ton of sway over the crawlers, and honestly, the crawlers have a lot of power, even though right. a lot of people don't recognize it. Right. And part of, yeah, part of that is because they are like, they got in good with the warrior's little sister. Yeah. Damn, the, the 5D chess everyone in this series is playing. Truly. Pend doesn't know exactly what happened to everyone, but we can put together this much. Luxa, Aurora, Temp, and Boots were together until they got attacked by rats. Luxa told Temp to take Boots and run. Temp and Boots made it to the Deadland, but Temp was in bad shape. A friendly moth found them and agreed to take Boots to the Crawler's Land. When the Crawlers went back to look for Temp, he was gone. I would give anything to read The Adventures of Boots and Temp in the Deadlands. Oh my god, you're so right. Because we know that they were, they must have been traveling for multiple days. So like, did Temp have to find food for Boots? Oh my god. And like, Boots is in a pretty good mood when she gets back. Like, she's not, like, it seems like Temp was trying his best the whole time to be like, we're having a fun adventure in the Deadlands, princess. <laughs> Please, eat this mealworm. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I just, like, I, because the, the bugs, like, don't eat that much. They don't need to. Oh, that's true, right. And when they do, they, like, will eat whatever. Like, they'll eat the raw fish or, or whatever. But Boots is very picky about what she eats, and also she has to eat very often. Right. Or else she gets, like, really upset. So was Temp, like, really, like, working very hard to be, like, like finding things that she would eat? Right, I bet. Yeah, and that's, like, part of the reason why he's so tired. Like, if, if they're really traveling for multiple days, like, he has to keep her calm. Like, he's just, like... I was wondering about that. Like, she couldn't have been cheerful the whole time. Right. Because I feel like at some point she would realize, like oh, like, Gregor is gone, and we're all alone in the dark, and... I forgot. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, I think Boots, like, technically had, like, a mini flashlight taped to her arm or oh, something. right, but, right. Like, it, that would have run out of batteries at some point. Right, and then Temp, when he finally finds someone who can help them, they can't take him, and he's just, like, yeah. alone, and he's just, like, at least the princess made it. I don't know if I will, but... Yeah, Damn. yeah. I did not fully process like how how yeah how long they were just alone in the deadland together for real. And that's very like putting the baby in the basket on the river, like yeah, not even knowing if Boots is gonna make it with this moth, even. right? But like just like it's all that you can do, right? It's the only hope you have of like sending Boots with this moth, and then the moth also had to like. Unless the moth was able to, like, grab onto Boots, the moth had to be like, Boots, you gotta hold on to me, and we're going flying now. Like, right. was, like, did Boots just fall asleep, or was the moth, like, having to sing songs? Like, Yeah, <laughs> you're so right. I need to know who this moth was. Yeah. The real MVP of this book. Literally. The anonymous moth that rescues Boots. And, like, I think it's not even, like, a moth that Temp knows. They mentioned, like, the moths or the, the flyers or the, al or not the flyers, I don't know what they call the moths, but the moths. I don't know what they call the moths either. The furry because they have like the <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that yeah. but yeah it was just like the moth was just like yeah I'll help you out because we're allies I'll take this random kid and fly to regalia right and or I think that the moth takes boots to the crawler's land oh right okay so maybe not as far but still just like ro road trip <laughs> yeah. right right and boots this whole time is just like not she does there's no humans around to understand her like temp has a hard time understanding like what humans are saying and like how they're acting and right in the first book he's like confused as to why boots is angry when she's hungry he's gotta just be learning a lot on the fly That's so true i can't imagine that was easy oh my god temp gets back and he's just like, I need six tiny cushions for my feet <laughs> to rest. <laughs> oh, he deserves a little massage on his yes. shell. But yeah, no, I think that Temp is probably like really going through it. Yeah. Trying to take care of Boots. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, did Boots get lonely? Was she like sad that Gregor wasn't there? Right. Was she scared of the dark? Like, I just, I need to know right. what happened on this journey. By the time she is old enough to like have the language to talk about it, she probably won't remember most yeah. of what happened. Yeah, truly. <laughs> She'll just be like, hey, Gregor, remember the time you lost me in the underwear and I was with a co giant cockroach for three days? And Gregor will be like, please stop talking. <laughs> 
she'd be like, oh my God. And the time we almost went over the waterfall and he's like, that didn't happen. You're lying to me. And she's like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have a lot of headcanons about like what kind of teenager Boots grows up to be, like what kind of person she is when she's older. And I feel like maybe that's, I think that could be in character. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Boots says to Gregor and Vicus, Temp seepy, he shot eyes, I ride Flutterfly. Where Temp? And then it says, he's still sleeping, Boots, said Gregor. Sleeping like Tick was sleeping, probably. Aww. Oh, God. Just to be like, I mean, Gregor's, I love that Gregor's autumn. I don't love this. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Gregor's automatic response to Boots asking where a Temp is, is to just be like, he's still sleeping. He He's not even going to hesitate to just make up a lie. Right. Like he just, because I think when Tick died, he like explained what happened. No. Uh, oh no, no he didn't? Oh, he okay. said He said like Tick is... I think that Boots was too sick when t- okay. Tick died. I th- yeah, I think you're right. And then later, it's at the beginning of this book, actually, when they're having the dinner. Uh-huh. Boots is like, where Tick? Because she's the only one from the quest who isn't there. Uh-huh. And everyone is, like, super sad. And she just keeps asking, like, where Tick Aww. is. And Gregor, like, couldn't explain any- anything about it to her. hmm Dang. Oh, that's rough. Also, just something about the line, he's still sleeping. I don't know. It cuts deep. Yeah. Something about that line is very effective. Yeah. Like, because Tick, Temp does come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, Gre- yeah, but at this point, Gregor's just like, like, he doesn't even say it out loud, but we all know what that, what he means. Right, right. He's very certain that Temp is dead and he just automatically is like, well, I'm not telling Boots that. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be that he's still sleeping. <sighs> That's rough. Just like referring to death as sleep, though, is like, yeah, there's something very not creepy or sinister, but I don't know, something I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I'm thinking of Hamlet when 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 Horatio was like, good night, sweet prince. Like, it's sort of loving, but it's also like, it's very sad because like, if they were actually sleeping, they'd wake up again, but they're not gonna. Yeah, it's like trying to be comforting, but it's actually kind of creepier to think of them sleeping forever. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That line just really gets me. Yeah, no. Dulcet comes to take care of Boots, and it takes some convincing for Gregor to let her go. Vicus and Gregor go to another dining room to debrief, and then Boots and food are brought in. While Boots eats, Gregor tries to get more info out of her. He asks her what happened after they saw the dinosaurs, meaning the serpents. She manages to convey that she was in water, what she calls a baby pool, and she bumped her head. Gregor thinks this means that Luxa took them to the tunnel Twitchtip pointed out before they got separated, and it flooded with waves from the serpents. The group survived with the help of Boots and Temp's life jackets. When asked if she saw rats, Boots touches her nose and says ow to mean Twitchtip. Gregor thinks this means soon after that they were attacked by rats and Luxa told Temp to run. This is another story that I'd kill to read. Uh huh. Like, I don't think we ever hear the full story of what happened with Luxa, Aurora, and Twitch Tip. Right. After Boots and Temp leave. Because we know, we know the Twitch Tip is captured by rats. And I honestly, I can't remember. Is Luxa captured by rats or does she just like take a long time to get back? She ends up chilling in the jungle with the mice. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah, at some point, Twitch Tip is taken by the rats. So, like, how did Luxa and Aurora escape imprisonment from the rats? Right. And then were all of them fighting side by side against the rats? And, like, how did Twitchtip get separated from them? Right. It wasn't like Twitchtip was a greater target for the rats. They definitely would have been going for Luxa if they could only get one person. Right. I wonder if Twitchtip did a similar thing of, like, you run and I'll, I'll stay here and hold them off. Right, right. She just, like... Like when she tells, when she, she, cause she already told Gregor, like, leave me here. I yeah. can't go any further. And again, she's like, and she just does that again. Yeah. Cause I think Twitch Ship is probably still in like really bad shape. Right. She can't run or fight very well. So she just is taking the opportunity to tell Luxa and Aurora to get out of there while they can. But I'd love to read how it all went down mm-hmm. because I don't think Luxa ever gives us like a detailed description of what exactly happened. I'm sure. I wonder like, 
how much she was even able like what does she think has happened like she doesn't know where gregor is she doesn't she now knows that she just sent boots off and like if something happens to boots gregor's gonna be mad at her but she doesn't necessarily know that gregor's alive right like yeah i know eventually in the jungle she does hear about how gregor spared the bane okay and that's why in, in curse of the warm bloods my fucking favorite scene is luke's like watching gregor drown in quicksand oh my god i forgot about that it's my favorite scene is that did you draw that i did yes. i did that yeah because it, it's so visceral mm-hmm. i forgot that they don't even meet her until like during the quest yeah oh yeah. man and she's the mouse queen i can't wait to get to curse of the warm oh bloods my god. oh my god it's gonna be fucking amazing but we have to finish prophecy of bane first yep yep <laughs> Vicus thinks it's improbable that they all survived, but Gregor tries to give him hope by saying Twitch Tip would have been able to lead them out of the maze, or maybe they were kept alive as prisoners. Then he regrets saying this because he knows what being imprisoned by the rats can do to a person. He tries to course correct and tell Vicus that anything could have happened to them, and he shouldn't give up hope. Boots finishes eating and pushes her plate off the table, which is <laughs> like, that's unnecessary. Yeah, it's so funny. Vicus asks her if she wants to go home now, and Boots says yes. Gregor tries to offer to come back and help look for Luxa, but Vicus insists that Gregor leave in case the council reverses Nurse's verdict. Vicus says, for now, you must go home. You have worries of your own there, yes? And the narration says, well, yes, Gregor had worries wherever he was. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Man. I don't even have like fully thought out thoughts about this either, <laughs> but just like this line. Well, yes, Gregor had worries wherever he was is on its own line. And like, <sighs> it's just like the crux of the whole book is that no matter where he goes, it's just torture. You're so right. Like at least Vikas just has like one world that he has problems in. Like Gregor comes down here and there's a fucking war and he goes back up and he has the, like the economy again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gregor has to deal with capitalism in the overland. Vikas, give him a fucking him a break. break. Oh, oh, I'm going to talk about that later when we get. When okay, we, okay. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. Soon the overlanders are down on the docks climbing onto Ares's back. Gregor says goodbye to Andromeda and tells Howard to leave a note in his laundry grate if there's any news about Luxa. I noticed that Gregor, he's talking about Luxa, Aurora, and Temp to Vicus and, and to Howard in this scene, but he just, the narration just says Luxa and the others. Like he's fixated on the fact that Luxa is, <laughs> like he, he's just as like, Luxa's the main person that <laughs> I care about. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Nerissa gives Gregor a scroll and says, the prophecy, so you can reflect on it sometimes. <laughs> I hate her for this. <laughs> do, you think, do you think she even did that on purpose and was like, oh, I'm so funny? Or is she just so, uh, is this like her, her own little prophecy? Or is she just is she just as smooth and placid as a lake? Like, I will give him this prophecy. And she doesn't even think about the pun. I know, right? I feel like... <laughs> If it were any other character, I would be tempted to say like, oh, they were thinking of that for so long. <laughs> like they couldn't wait to pull that out on Gregor. But Nerissa doesn't seem like the type. <laughs> so I think that she just like meant it li- like literally like she's not understanding how funny it is or like ironic or like how cruel it is to do this to him. Like without warning him that it's not right. the actual, it's not the prophecy of Bane. Because one thing I was thinking like Vicus, he doesn't he deliberately does not give Gregor the prophecy like he wants to give him a break this time because he feels so bad yeah but Nerissa is like no man I know you're gonna be back yeah I don't think she thinks that through though I think that she's just like the the warrior should have the next prophecy so I don't I don't think she's thinking through the fact that it's like it's really funny that she says to reflect on I think right or she's not trying to be like clever or whatever she's that's just how she is (laughs) which I love (laughs) Oh yeah, the narration says, what did she think Gregor was going to do? Take it home and frame it? (laughs) Which is great. (laughs) Vicus gives him the packaged up cuckoo clock and medicine for his dad. They say fly you high to each other and Boots says, see you soon. The narration says, last time Gregor had been horrified to think that they would ever return. Now, with Luxa and the others on his mind, he felt reluctant to leave. Again, with the Luxa and the others. Oh my god. <laughs> like, Luxa's the only one he, he names. 
getting very obvious, Gregor. <laughs> but yeah, this is like such a change from the first book because he was like, okay, thank God I never have to come back here again. And now he's like, wow, I hope that I come back. And it makes it so much more organic when he does come back because you can't keep like, oops, I tripped and fell into the underworld like every single time. Right. He's like thinking about it deliberately now. He's like, now I'm entangled in this world. Right. Ares flies them to the Central Park entrance, and Gregor asks if he'll be okay. Ares just says, as well as you, and they exchange fly you highs with their hands clasped. Aww. I like this line, as well as you, because it's like another nod to how Gregor said earlier, like, he wouldn't say thank you to Ares because it would almost be like thanking himself. They're one being now. They're like bonded. They're a two-headed creature. Yeah. But also Ares is saying like, as long as you're good, I'm good. Uh, yeah. But also kind of meaning like, I know you're also having it rough. Yeah. Yeah. He's also acknowledging like, we're both pretty bad off, but like, yeah. we're in it together. Yeah. There's just a lot in those four words. I love it. It's nighttime in the overland and the park is empty. Boots asks if they can go setting, and Gregor thinks he'll have to find a different park with a hill to take her to. Damn. They catch a taxi, and Gregor learns that the date is December 23rd, and he's glad they'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. Boots falls asleep in Gregor's arms, and he thinks about the Bane and how similar the two are. Gregor wonders what will happen when the Bane's grown up in a year, if Ripred will do a good job raising him, and if good parenting will even make a difference. Isn't that the question? Good things to be thinking about, Gregor, <laughs> going into the rest of this series. He also thinks about how he'll have to be careful not to get into fights now that his rager abilities have surfaced. He starts to think about asking Ripred more rager questions when he next goes to the Underland, and is shocked by his certainty that he'll be returning to help his friends. As soon as Gregor gets in the door with Boots, the whole family is awake to greet them. Before he answers their questions, Gregor finally gets some sleep, and in the morning he tells everyone the story, but he does his classic thing of softening the bad parts to not scare them. I want to know because he doesn't say. Does he tell them that he thought Boots was dead for a while? That's true. Did he say, like, I thought that I would be coming home without her? Because, like, she could say, like, oh, I was in the dark and I was like, cockroach. But, like, he could say, like, oh, yeah, that was this and not tell them. That sounds like something he would do. Right. Just, like, completely skip over that part. Right, because he's like, oh, well, it didn't actually happen, so it doesn't matter that yeah. I was just briefly entirely traumatized. Yeah. He takes out the cuckoo clock from the museum and starts to explain that he brought it for Mrs. Cormacy, but when he opens the package, a cloud of money floats out. Okay, my theory, Vicus did this on purpose. Like, he's just like, oh, Vicus packed it with money because he doesn't know that it's valuable. But I'm thinking about this, and like, Vicus is very guilty in that scene, and he's like asking Gregor, like, do you want anything? I don't know if that was like his original plan, but I think he, pr I feel like he knows of the concept of money because he lives, he's met on Overlanders. He's met Gregor's dad. Oh, yeah, I totally, uh -huh. I think, I don't know, I don't think it was implied that he didn't know what oh, money was. Um, and I had the whole theory. Okay. I think that he does know what uh -huh. money is. And he was asking in that museum scene, like, Gregor, do you want to take anything? And Gregor is just like, no, not really. But Vicus like, is feeling guilty and, like, wants to help him. And he knows that his family is struggling. Right. So I think that Vicus did this on purpose. Because nice. he did know what it meant. Do you think Gregor knows that he knows? Or is he just like, oh, classic Vicus? Like, I don't know if Gregor would have, if Vicus had just said, yo, we have thousands of dollars. Do you want them? Like later he, he accepts that, but I don't know if in that moment he would have, he would have. That's a good question. Cause I feel like he's not like proud in that way, but also if he would be like, oh, so Boots died and you're giving me money for that? Like, thanks. Yeah. Or maybe, Vi right. maybe Vicus just felt like it would feel like that. And so he had to make it more complicated. Yeah. Cause I don't think Gregor is quite like an Adam Parrish type. Who right. Would just like decline it on principle right but yeah and i think probably the sight of all that cash would be pretty hard to resist yeah especially for a kid who like 
is living the way Gregor is. Right. And who fully knows, like... Yeah. And also has... Feels a responsibility to his family. Right. To do that. No, yeah. I think that Gregor, like, knows, though. Because he talks about how Vicus would have had to go through all of the wallets. Oh, right. In the museum. Right. That wouldn't have been the most easily available, like, packing material. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's wrapped with, like, cloth around it. But, like, he put money inside to, oh, yeah. to send it with Gregor so that Gregor wouldn't know until he got home that nice. he had sent it. Like, I think Vicus fully knew what he was doing. Okay. But I do like the idea of Vicus, like, I mean, he probably told someone to do it for him. Mm-hmm, but, like, right. also I love like, the idea of Vicus going through every single wallet and purse in the museum and, like, collecting right. money that is worthless to him, but he, like, knows what it means to Gregor. Right. And he's like, I can't just give it to him. Like, this. I need to I need to figure out how to do this. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't want to, like hurt Gregor's feelings or like hurt his pride right he does it like this which is pretty smart right like he is such a diplomat yeah yeah (laughs) I guess manipulative and diplomat are kind of I feel like the skills that it takes to be a diplomat involve some manipulation I feel like right manipulation you're able to manipulate someone if you like really know how people work you know yeah yeah you know what people want and that's what like diplomats are yeah I like that yeah, so Gregor thinks that Vicus must have collected all the cash from all the wallets in the museum because there are probably thousands of dollars there. Grandma asks what they'll do with it all, and Mom says they'll pay the bills and then they'll have Christmas. Yay! They go shopping for groceries and presents and a tree, they watch Christmas specials on TV, and they clean up the clock to give to Mrs. Cormacy. There's a fun bit when Gregor is trying to buy a surprise present for his mom, but she doesn't want to let him out of her sight. (laughs) Yeah. Mrs. Cormacy comes by with presents and cookies, and when they give her the clock, she asks where they got it. And then there's like a a beat (laughs) of silence, and Lizzie speaks up and is like, a place that sells old things. Literally already a genius. Yeah, yeah. She's a quick thinker. Mm -hmm. And then dad ends up saying that they got it from a secondhand place, which is partly true. (laughs) Yeah. Gregor carries the clock for Mrs. Cormacy back to her apartment, and she sees the boots that she gave him last week. (laughs) And they're all, like, scratched up from Ares' claws and stained with blood and squid slime. (laughs) Which must be fucking wild to Mrs. Cormacy, because from her perspective... Gregor is home sick with the flu this entire time. <laughs> so it's like, what is, what is he doing with these boots in his, in his apartment? He's got the flu and he's just like going ham on these Fuck boots. These boots. <laughs> and what does she say? Like, oh, you're getting some use out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's so funny. God, I love her. Mrs. Cormacy tells Gregor, one day you're going to realize you can trust me. He replies that he does trust her, and she just says, Do you? Flu. Hmph. I'll see you next Saturday. (laughs) Gregor and his mom stay up late wrapping presents, and he goes to the living room to tidy up. He notes that his dad is sleeping more peacefully, so maybe the Underland Medicine is helping. Lizzie put all their coats on the floor so they could hang their stockings from the coat pegs because they don't have a fireplace. And as Gregor picks them up, he finds in his pocket the scroll that Nerissa gave him. He unrolls it to read, but it's written backwards, and he manages to decipher just the title at first, which isn't the prophecy of Bane like he expected. It's the prophecy of blood. He lets the scroll snap shut as his mom comes in with the presents, and she asks, You ready for this? And the book ends with Gregor saying, Sure, ready as I'll ever be. God. I just love the image of him, like, realizing that it says the prophecy of blood and just, like, shutting it. (laughs) And, like, well, I'm not going to deal with that right right now. Right, (laughs) Like, this is just, like, a common trope of, like, a character, like, opens a door, sees something that they don't want to see, and then closes it. The Shaun of the Dead, when they open the door and there's all the zombies and they close it. Yeah, the window. Yeah, (laughs) the window blinds, they, like, open it and it's... Or they turn on the light. Oh, yeah. They turn on the light, and in the other room, they see all the zombies, and they just turn (laughs) off the light and leave. (laughs) That's exactly what Greg is doing here. He's just like, oh, not gonna gonna look at that. 
I didn't see it. Nothing happened. <laughs> Suddenly I can't read. <laughs> His mom comes in. He's like, I was just looking at my scroll, mom. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but okay. Honestly, the prophecy of blood, like the word blood instead of Bane is just such a good plot twist. Yeah. And it's intense. You're like, oh my God, blood? Like Bane, we didn't really know what that meant until we read the prophecy and Vicus explained what like Bane was and Nerissa explained what the Bane was. But like blood, like immediately we're like, well, that's intense. Right, right. (laughs) It's like, maybe it's an underland word. It means something different there. Yeah, like light and life. Maybe blood just means fruit punch (laughs) the prophecy of fruit punch it's gonna be a big party (laughs) Uh, yeah i feel like i don't remember a whole lot from reading these the first time that i read them as a kid but i do i feel like remember hearing that it was blood instead of bane and just being like whoa like it was just like so intense knowledge that before we even start the next book, that there's gonna be another prophecy. And Gregor is definitely going back. Because, like, the first book could have been a standalone. Like, if it wasn't a series. Like, it kind of ends with Gregor going home, and there's kind of, like, hints that he might come back, but it's also pretty wrapped up. Right. Like, he could have just stayed in the Overland forever after the first book. Right. And it would have been complete. But then this is, like, a hook into the next one. Right. Like, no, you're definitely gonna be back. Yeah. Yeah. Suzanne Collins is so... Like, I always think about the thing that she's, like, a TV writer, and it's just, yeah. like... She's, she knows. She knows. She left that hook. We still don't know what's up with Luxa. It's the prophecy of blood. Like, exactly. Like, this could be, like, the final episode of a, like yeah. a, a season. Yeah. And then it's like, see you next year in... <laughs> In the Adventures of Gregor the TV show <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Yeah. It's it's super effective. And that's the book. Yeah. We finished the second book. Dang. And as you have as you've been saying, right in time for Christmas, chronologically in real life. Exactly. Yeah. This episode's coming out Christmas Day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what a book. What a book. Yeah, this was just another step up in intensity, as all of the books are. Right. They just go up and up in tension and Gregor's entanglement in the world and his attachments to the Underland are growing and he's becoming more invested in being the warrior. I feel like it's interesting because the stakes, like the outside, it doesn't hugely increase. Like there's always a war on the horizon and then eventually it's like, okay, the war is happening now. But like it still gets more intense even though basically it's like, we thought this was going to happen and now it's happening. Well, I guess... Curse of the Warm Bloods. Oh, that's true. Is more intense because like the plague might wipe out all the Warm Bloods, and then like Marks of Secret is when the Bane starts doing a genocide. Oh yeah. So that's more intense. Okay, so maybe maybe I'm just wrong. But But on the other hand, but you're right though that it's like the war was always a possibility, and in the end, it does come in the in the fifth book. It, It would have happened any way it went down, right? Regardless of the plague or the genocide. That's true, that's like, true. The humans and the brats were always headed toward a war. Thanks so much for joining me, Nate. Yes, it was a privilege. It was an honor. It was an experience. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> recording for almost like two hours. Yeah, I think so. We've It's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is like melting. Right? <sighs> All right, well, let's wrap this up. Yeah. As a reminder, we're going on hiatus for the entire month of January. I'm going to be too busy watching the Percy Jackson (laughs) show. (laughs) We'll pick back up with The Curse of the Warm Bloods on February 5th, 2024. Dang. I know, right? A whole new year. I'll let you know on the Tumblr if anything about the schedule changes. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. And until next year... See you soon. See you soon.